2: On this episode of Newt's World, trailblazing TV journalist Bill O'Reilly, the best-selling author of the Killing History series, is joining me to talk about his latest book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, which is out now. This is the 11th book in the series that includes a number of national bestsellers, sales of nearly 19 million copies worldwide, and over 320 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Killing the Killers covers America's intense global war and manhunt against the terrorist extremists that not only carried out the attacks on 9 11, but also executed hundreds of others, both on American soil and globally, and traces America's efforts to defeat Al Qaeda and ISIS worldwide. Here to talk about his new book. I am really pleased to welcome back my guest and good friend, Bill O'Reilly. Mr.
3: Speaker, thanks for having me in. How are you doing? All right?
2: We're doing great, and I'm always amazed at watching you because you're a great researcher. You've assembled a terrific team. You and Martin Dugard are amazingly prolific writers. And the last time we were on, last May, we talked about killing the mob. And I have to say that the work you do and the way you've built out this killing series is just remarkable. As an author myself, I'm a little bit in awe of the pace at which you work, but I remember when you and I were colleagues at Fox, you've always had this intense business focus of learning the facts, getting them out there, and you found here a rhythm that's remarkable. Your new book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, came out May 3rd, literally one year and a day from the publication of Killing the Mob. I'm curious, how do you come up with the idea for the next book?
3: Well, the next book's actually even written because Killing the Killer is supposed to be out in November of 2021, but COVID screwed up the printing plants. So we had to put it out in May, as you mentioned, and I'll have another Killing book this year. What we do, Mr. Speaker, is a discipline. It's almost like a military operation. So I do television every night on BillOReilly.com, which is distributed all over the world, I have a radio franchise of more than three hundred stations. We do a Paul Harvey s during the day, and they take my podcast at night. I think we're up to seventy stations doing that now. WABC in New York is a flagship, and in order to get all this stuff done in a quality way, you have to basically segment out your days. And I like what I do. That's the key for everyone listening to us now. And I know you like what you do, and when you enjoy it, it doesn't. Appear to be as much work. Now, sometimes it is. Sometimes you go, oh man, I want to take a nap. But I think the reason I was put on this planet by the deity was to inform people about the news and also about their country's history. So, all of the killing books and Killing the Killers is the 11th have to do with America and how our freedoms were established, how they were protected, what happened. And as you mentioned, Martin Dugard, I think the best researcher in the world, I mean, we are able to uncover things. When you read Killing the Killers, you're going to see something you don't know on every single page. And a lot of this stuff is classified information. And I'll tell you just one startling thing. When I started the concept of this book, and I come up with the topics, I said, the only way I can write this book is if I can get the national security advisors to the presidents involved, starting with Bush the Younger, Obama, Trump. We didn't have to get Biden because we were finishing the book as Biden was coming in. But we did get the Afghanistan debacle. And that's how we closed Killing the Killers on that. But I got seven national security advisors to talk to me about what actually happened in the hunt down of bin Laden, al-Baghdadi, Soleimani, Boko Haram. And I made one promise. I said, "I, I won't use your name. I won't quote you. I didn't want that. I wanted background. And I said, I won't put anything in the book that damages America. And I don't think I have, although the coerced interrogation part is pretty controversial.
2: So I'm curious. You know, because of your access, you were right at the edge of a lot of very highly classified topics. Was there anything that actually shocked you?
3: Oh, the weaponry. <laughs> I had no blanket idea of the kind of weapons that the United States has deployed in space. I mean, when the National Security Advisors were describing how Soleimani was vaporized by a Hellfire missile shot from a drone, and the trigger is in Nevada, I could hardly formulate questions. It was like something out of a scientific movie, but it's real. And what I managed to do in the book is describe this weaponry without giving away any secrets. We don't tell you exactly where everything is, but we do describe what goes on in the firing of a Hellfire missile at a Terra Chieftain. Now, that can only be ordered by one person. That's the president. That's how it should be. But these weapons we have in space, the drones can read the name of a golf ball from three miles in space. The name of a golf ball on the ground can be read by our tech. It's incredible.
2: That's amazing. So as you were going through this, do you... Talk about Obama's two-pronged strategy against ISIS and then Trump's policies against ISIS. How would you compare these two? Okay,
3: excellent question. So Obama was embarrassed when he ordered all U.S. troops out of Iraq. We all remember that. Okay. And then immediately ISIS attacked and took over literally half of Iraq and the northern part of Syria. Obama was humiliated by that because of the pictures, people getting beheaded by ISIS, ISIS with the black flag rolling into Mosul, all of these places where U.S. troops had bled to liberate in the Iraq war. So Obama, being the guy he is, and you know him, I know him, he doesn't like to be humiliated. So he doubled up and started to attack ISIS. And It worked to some extent, but Trump made a campaign promise that he would eliminate ISIS when he was elected, which he did. He largely eliminated all of them because the rules of engagement under Trump were far more liberal than under Obama. I'll give you one example. It is against the law for United States personnel To use coerced interrogation, that's torture or waterboarding, whatever you want to describe it. The official name is coerced interrogation. Congress passed a law after Abu Ghraib. We cannot do that. Well, under Trump, we contracted that work out. And that's how we located and assassinated al-Baghdadi. They picked up an ISIS courier in Turkey. The Turks picked them up. Handed them over to the CIA, which didn't interrogate him, but gave them to the Iraqis. And we go through this in the book page by page. And you'll remember in Abu Ghraib, the left going, oh, torture doesn't work. Mr. Speaker, torture works. And al-Baghdadi would not have been located without the coerced interrogation done by the Iraqis.
2: So in a sense, Trump was more ruthless in going after terrorists.
3: I don't know about Ruthless because Obama wanted to take them off the planet. Trump was more methodical. And the other thing that Trump did, and this is one of the few things that Trump doesn't brag about, which I don't even understand. So everybody knows that Trump spent hundreds of billions of dollars to modernize the military. But we don't know where exactly that money went it went into these space weapons and then when they were so successful that's why trump formed the space corps now trump doesn't brag about that but these weapons are total game changer putin does not have them nor does she in china and today that's acting as a constraint against putin he'd be far worse if we didn't have the weaponry in space, pointed right at him. Isn't that amazing? It is.
2: It's remarkable.
3: Yes. None of this has been said before, reported before. It's all in Killing the Killers. And after Americans read that book, they should be a little more assured that in their name, our defenses are the best on the planet by far.
2: So... In the book, you talk about several Americans who were captured and killed by ISIS, including Kayla Mueller, who's a U.S. aid worker who was captured and later killed. Tell us about her story.
3: Oh, it's horrible. So whenever you get in a position as a reporter, and Killing and Killing is the best reporting I've done in my career, and I've done some pretty darn good reporting. This is the best. So I had to approach the Mueller family in order to tell this story accurately. Kayla Mueller, 26 years old, graduated from college in Arizona, went to Turkey to work in a refugee camp. She was, by all accounts, a very generous, kind, humanitarian young woman. She made a mistake by going into Syria to visit a Doctors Without Borders clinic with her boyfriend, who was a Muslim, ISIS grabbed her, kidnapped her on the road to the Doctors Without Borders facility. Then ISIS got all her email information to her parents, demanded $50 million, whatever it is, in ransom. The U.S. government does not pay terrorists to ransom. And thus, the Mueller family was caught Wanting to save the life of their daughter, who was being raped by al-Baghdadi, raped by this guy, and ultimately he ordered her death. Kayla was killed. But the Mueller family cooperated with me. I got to see all the taunting emails that ISIS sent them, which it just makes you crazy to understand the true evil involved with this, and it also makes it easier to justify the assassinations that the United States carries out on these terror leaders. So al-Baghdadi got what he deserved, and he's such a coward, he took his two young children with him when the special forces finally confronted him in his lair in Syria. It is a harrowing story. I'm glad I could tell it. I told the Mueller family, look, I'm going to immortalize your daughter here. Everyone's gonna know how kind of person she was and what happened to her. Whereas people forget, I mean they may have heard the name years ago. They'll never forget this story when they read it in Killing the Killers.
2: Look, it's both a great personal thing to do for that family and a very important educational thing to do for every American, to remind us just how bad some of these people are. And when you think about it, what would you say? are the major current threats from terrorist groups?
3: Well, ISIS is back in Iraq, not at the force they were, but they're around and they are terrorizing, you know, the people in the rural areas of Western Iraq. They're there. Syria is just chaos, so ISIS can bleed over into Syria. The real threat, however, is in Afghanistan when al-Qaeda moved in right after the Taliban took over and the Biden debacle led to the 18 American service people being killed at Kabul airport. That's how we close killing the killers with the inside story of that happened. And again, Americans are going to be appalled. But Al Qaeda now is in the northeastern part of Afghanistan, pretty much doing what they want to do, which is recruiting, training. And for what reason? There's only one reason, to kill infidels. That's the only reason these terror groups exist. And Americans are at the top of the infidel list.
2: So do you expect to see the Taliban become actively against us, or is the Taliban likely just to be absorbed in Afghanistan itself? The Taliban
3: are thugs. They're gangsters. They're not at the sophistication level of al-Qaeda. They can barely feed their own people. You read this week, I'm sure, that women can't even come out of the house now without being covered head to toe. They didn't fight for their freedom. We gave them 20 years and trillions of dollars to defeat the Taliban. They would not fight them. So this is what you get. But the Taliban are just basically trying to hang on because people are starving now in Afghanistan. And when you're starving, there's more likely to be a revolution. I don't know if it'll happen. But Al Qaeda is a totally different animal. Very well funded, very well armed. The capacity that they have I don't know if they could do another 9-11 because of our surveillance equipment, which, again, I get into in Killing the Killers. They can't even make a phone call. Al-Qaeda. We'll pick it right up. That's how sophisticated our surveillance is on them. And we know where they are. We know who their leadership is. It's not like they're sneaking around. They're unidentified. We know that. But if they could, they would do another 9-11 in a heartbeat.
2: What's your view of Boko Haram in Nigeria?
3: Okay, so... We have in the book a firefight between American Special Forces and Boko Haram, which is an offshoot of ISIS, the same crew. And I think it was three American soldiers were killed in the firefight. But nobody knows about it because there are no reporters there. And the firefight wasn't in Nigeria, it was in Mali. And To this day, we have ground forces in Africa, U.S. forces, that fight these terrorists on the ground. But it's all classified engagement, so nobody knows about it. But we got access to a Boko Haram firefight that was hellacious, and it was recent.
2: Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I am thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition, one-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich contract with America coin is more than an investment. It's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com.
3: Martha Stewart, the original influencer.
2: When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The
0: media
3: mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise. The fall. And the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha
0: paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her.
3: A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max.
1: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
2: Because you are so diverse in your activities, I really want to ask you a little bit about the success you're having with No Spin News. You're broadcast on weekday nights at 8 p.m. and 11 p.m. on the first TV which is a new media network available across digital platforms. Plus, you also do a weekday radio show, the O'Reilly Update, which is on more than 225 radio stations. I mean, it's astonishing how much material you develop and put out for people and how much you are an educator for the whole country. And all of it is sort of coordinated through BillOReilly.com. But, I mean, you must have a very, very good team to be able to get up in the morning and know you're going to be giving this much information every single day. I know you've always been a great newsman and you've always been fascinated with journalism, but do you still get a kick just out of the ability to pull it together, organize it and share it with the country?
3: Yeah. And you know what the mystery is? I never knew this was going to happen. So when I left Fox News five years ago, I took five FNC employees with me Because I knew that I was going to form my own news operation. And I needed a base in which to do that. And the five people I took were trained by me. In fact, right now, all Fox primetime programming are run by people trained by me. It's like if you get through O'Reilly, it's like the Navy SEALs. Because I'm very tough. Because I can't make mistakes. And I don't. Believe me. We are very methodical in what we put out to the public. So I left Fox and I said, "Okay, I'm going to form my own news agency because I don't like the corporate media across the board. I think it's corrupt. And that's been borne out now. We know that the American corporate media, the large corporations are corrupt. There's no doubt about it. There's no two sides to the story. We saw it with CNN. We saw it with the Russian collusion. We saw it with the suppression of the Hunter Biden story. It is corrupt across the board. Because once you sell out for money, and which is what all of the news agencies have done, they don't want any more to get everybody to watch them. They only want the people in the choir to watch them. When you do that, You ignore certain stories because the choir may not want to hear those stories. So I'll give you a good vivid example. Two days after the presidential vote in 2020, I went on my news agency and said, this election is not going to be overturned. It's not. Now, I lost a lot of subscribers when I said that because you have to pay a fee. We keep it small so everyone can afford it, but you have to pay To go to billoreilly.com and access all of our services. All right? People were furious with me. And they wrote me letters, and I read the letters. But I said, What do you want me to do? Mislead you? There's only one way this election gets overturned, and that is by the Supreme Court examining information that is factual, that is unimpeachable. And there's only one way to compile that information, and that's the FBI. And the FBI is not going to do it. Barr quit. He could have ordered a special prosecutor to look into the election in 2020. He didn't. There was no vehicle to turn the election around. I wasn't saying there was no fraud, because there was fraud. We just don't know how much fraud, now that we know Zuckerberg, Put in more than 400 million in specific counties to jazz the vote, you would think that the FBI would be all over that. They're not. So you can't overturn election on a motion. And that's what I told my audience. And that was 100% true. And all of us, well, there aren't very many of us. There's you, Mr. Speaker, there's me, there's maybe a dozen more who understand how this government and country works. Most people don't understand how it works. There is a process, and to overturn a presidential election never been done in the history of the country. You need evidence that is rock solid assembled by a law enforcement
2: agency. There wasn't any vehicle in place to make that happen. In your judgment, I'm curious, do you think, is the FBI more Corrupt today than ever before or just more bureaucratically incompetent?
3: Well, if you read killing the mob, the FBI goes up and down depending on the whim of the leadership. So Comey. Has to be the worst FBI chief of all time. Nobody was worse than Comey. So the damage he did to that bureau was enormous. Now, Ray is the chief. I don't know about him. Maybe you have an opinion on him. I don't know him. I don't know how effective he is. I watched the Supreme Court justices have to endure protests in front of their house this week. I didn't see any FBI agents there, did you? Nope. That's a federal crime. What they were doing, the demonstrators were doing, is a federal crime. Where was the FBI? Uh, You know, so when you see things like this, you question whether the FBI has been politicized to the extent that it can't enforce the law anymore. And that's possible.
2: I mean, you raise a really good point. I'm going to have to go do some checking now, because I suspect there's a law in the books that efforts to intimidate a federal judge is a felony.
3: There is. We reported it last night on the No Spin News. We gave you, I think it's 103.5 in the federal code. And the U.S. Marshals, they're assigned to protect the Supreme Court justices, okay? But they're not an investigative body, okay? And the people don't understand that anyway. But getting back to your original question, which is a really important question. So when I went out after Fox and I started this independent news agency, I was at the whim of the marketplace, all right? Where I worked for Fox, I was in a big corporation, okay? And the corporation set up, you know, the staff to broadcast and the building and the apparatus, everything was set up. I had to do that my own self, but I had to convince millions of Americans to abandon the corrupt corporate media and come to me and pay for it. That's not easy. That's not an easy deal. But we were so successful that now everybody's coming to us. We just signed a deal last week with a company called Vidgo, V I D G O, brand new streaming company, brand new, backed by billionaires out of Utah. Okay? They are going to take my news agency and they're going to stream it. And they have to pay us. You see what I'm talking about? So radio comes in. We're doing record ratings and radio on WABC, our flagship in New York City. Then when the radio industry sees those astronomical numbers, they buy the product. So that's why America is a great place. That's why capitalism is a good thing, because he is an independent guy like me. And I don't owe anybody anything. Nobody can come and say, Riley, you better say this or you better do that or this sponsor doesn't like this, hey, blank you, I'm gonna say the truth, okay? And nobody can stop me. It's almost frightening, Mr. Speaker.
2: <laughs> Look, you are a unique personality. Thank you. There are not many people who could do what you do. I always felt that way every time I was on your show, that you had an intensity and an organization and a discipline that was unlike anybody else I was ever on, it's remarkable. In that sense, I'm not surprised. And I. I think it's great for the country that people are responding.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, they're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866 4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com.
3: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. It sets off a firestorm in Washington affairs no way this guy's got a mistress corruption i knew i was a dead man warning it's even messier than you thought
0: united states of scandal with jake tapper sunday at nine on cnn hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was edited so well
2: I have to ask you, you did a recent column that was fascinating called The Art of the Gloat, and you said that gloating that the Biden presidency is a disaster is a waste of time. What were you getting at?
3: Okay, so the Biden presidency will go down in history. If we stopped it all right now, he'd be the third worst president in our republic. First is James Buchanan. Nobody even knows who he is. But Buchanan was so weak and so befuddled that he allowed the South to run wild. And that led directly to the Civil War when Lincoln came in. That was all on James Buchanan. The second was Herbert Hoover, who came in after the stock market crashed and sat there for two years while Americans starved and did nothing. Hard to top those two guys. Biden is now number three. Takes a vibrant economy from Trump, okay, and destroys it in 15 months. That's pretty hard to do. It took Carter two and a half years to destroy the economy. Biden's done it in 15 months. It's all on Biden. All of it. Because Americans are working as hard as they've ever worked. Unemployment is just over 3%. But now inflation has taken all your money away. All your hard work, you're going behind because this guy, Biden, knelt to the climate change people and attacked the American energy industry. Insane. So you can run around and you can gloat and you can say what a dunderhead Mr. Biden is. Okay. And that's legitimate. But what good does that do? He's not gonna get any better. He can't do the job. It would be like me being hired tomorrow by the New York Mets to hit cleanup. I can't hit the 100 mile an hour fastball. No matter what, I'm not gonna hit it. That's Biden, he can't run the country. Even in his prime, he wasn't smart enough to run the country, and now he's diminished. So you have a situation that's not going to get any better. But to run around and gloat about it and to attack the 80 million Americans that voted for Biden, most of whom voted against Trump, not for Biden, doesn't do us any good. What has to happen is that the American people have to wake up and fight the oppression. The corrupt corporate media, number one. None of this would be happening without that corrupt media, which tried to dismantle Trump every single day of his life. That's corruption. The folks have got to turn on that in order to get the country back to a place where at least it's run in a fair way. So that was the point of the column.
2: So if Biden is increasingly incompetent, frankly, it's a little scary to have the commander-in-chief gradually, clearly having more and more cognitive problems. Is his vice president a plausible replacement? No. No. I mean, Kamala Harris
3: doesn't know anything. And look, if you think I'm being unfair, those of you listening to us now, do you believe for one minute that if Kamala Harris was being interviewed by Newt Gingrich— or Bill O'Reilly, that Kamala Harris could acquit herself well in that interview? Do you really think so? Well, she'd laugh a lot. She doesn't know anything. Her frame of reference is almost non-existent. She is a child of the California liberal political system. As a senator, she did nothing She had the most liberal voting record, but she introduced no problem-solving legislation. As attorney general in California, she led to the destruction of the major cities that we are seeing now. So, I mean, what on earth would give her any credibility to run this country? There isn't
2: anything there at all. So given all of that, what's your sense for the upcoming midterms?
3: Well, the Republicans are gonna take both houses. I can't imagine that they won't. If the American people continue to put liberal Democrats into office, then like the Afghan people, we're gonna get what we deserve. And that's what's gonna happen. But I think the economic pain, which cuts across all boundaries now, is going to mean that people are gonna stay home if they're liberal Democrats, Or if they're independents, they're going to vote Republican, and that'll put the GOP over the top. That's my prediction for November.
2: Let me ask you one last question, if you don't mind. You've always been very philanthropical in your attitude and your approaches, and I know you're involved in several philanthropic projects. Are there anything you'd like to mention for our audience you think that would be worthy of their paying attention to and maybe donating to?
3: Well, right now, I'm very interested in the mentoring of children at risk, I call them. So in the inner cities, you have a culture that's totally different than most suburban or rural areas of this country. And in the inner cities, there is tremendous pressure to corrupt children. I mean, these gangs recruit kids as young as 11 and 12 years old. The only way to solve that is to mentor these children who don't have father. That is the basic problem that the corrupt media will never report on. When you're a young boy, for example, and you don't have a father to provide guidance and discipline, and you are living in a neighborhood full of violent gangs, your odds of succeeding are very long. So I worked with President Obama in the Brothers Keeper program that he started, and it was very good. He didn't do what was necessary to get it in front of everybody, and I never will understand why. I had a number of conversations. With President Obama about that, and I laid out a scenario, and someday I'll tell you what it was. I've never really, because you know, I was talking to the president, and it was a private conversation. But he could have done a lot more. But I've gotten involved in that mentoring of poor children. No color line involved with this, by the way. It's poor children of all races and all creeds. And there are Big Brothers, Big Sisters. There is an organization in Washington D.C., Best Friends and i help them and that is where a lot of my money and energy is going in the charitable area
2: that's great that's wonderful i want to thank you for joining me the killing series is just astonishing as an author in my own right i am amazed at how well you've done and how good the books are and how knowledgeable the books are i want to let our listeners know that they can get a link to buy bill's new book killing the killers The Secret War Against Terrorists on our show page at newtsworld.com and you can find everything he's doing and as you heard in this podcast he's doing a lot you can find everything he's doing at billoreilly.com Bill thank you so much for being here
3: always a pleasure Mr. Speaker I hope to see you soon stay strong
2: thank you to my guest Bill O'Reilly you can get a link to buy his new book Killing the Killers on our show page at newtsworld.com Newt's World is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Slump. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, Listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my 3 free weekly columns at gingrich360.com/newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.